Chapter Nine of the Daughter of the Commandant by Alexander Pushkin, translated by Mrs. Milne Home. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Davidson. The Parting. The drum awoke me very early, and I went to the square. There the troops of Pugachev were beginning to gather round the gallows where the victims of the preceding evening still hung. The Cossacks were on horseback, the foot-soldiers with their arms shouldered, their colors flying in the air. Several cannons, among which I recognized ours, were placed on field-gunned carriages. All the inhabitants had assembled in the same place, awaiting the usurper. Before the door of the commandant's house a Cossack held by the bridle a magnificent white horse of Kyrgyz breed. I saw it with my eyes the body of the commandant's wife. It had been pushed aside and covered over with an old bark mat. At last Pugachev came out of the house. All the crowd uncovered. Pugachev stopped on the doorstep and said good morning to everybody. One of the chiefs handed him a bag filled with small pieces of copper, which he began to throw broadcast among the people, who rushed to pick them up, fighting for them with blows. The principal confederates of Pugachev surrounded him. Among them was Shravrin. Our eyes met. He could read contempt in mine, and he looked away with an expression of deep hatred and pretended mockery. Seeing me in the crowd, Pugachev beckoned to me and called me up to him. "'Listen,' he said. "'Start this very minute for Orenburg. You will tell the governor and all the generals from me.' that they may expect me in a week. Advise them to receive me with submission and filial love. If not, they will not escape a terrible punishment. A good journey to your lordship. Then, turning to the people, he pointed out to Schwabrin. There, children, said he, is your new commandant. Obey him in all things. He answers to me for you and the fort. I heard these words with affright. Schwabrin, become master of the place. Maria remained in his power. Good God! What would become of her? Pugachev came down the steps. His horse was brought round. He sprang quickly into the saddle, without waiting for the help of the Cossacks prepared to aid him. At this moment I saw my Savielich come out of the crowd, approach Pugachev, and present him with a sheet of paper. I could not think what it meant. What is it? asked Pugachev with dignity. Deign to read it, and you will see replied Savielich. Pugachev took the paper and looked at it a long time with an air of importance. At last he said, "'You write very illegibly. Our lucid eyes cannot make out anything. Where is our chief secretary?' A youth in a corporal's uniform ran up to Pugachev. "'Read it aloud,' the usurper said to him, handing him the paper. I was extremely curious to know on what account my retainer had thought of writing to Pugachev. The chief secretary began in a loud voice, spelling out what follows. Two dressing-gowns, one cotton, the other striped silk, six roubles. What does that mean? interrupted Pugachev, frowning. Tell him to read further, rejoined Savelich, quite unmoved. The chief secretary continued to read. One uniform of fine green cloth, seven roubles, one pair trousers, white cloth, five roubles, twelve shirts of Holland, shirting, with cuffs, ten roubles, one box with tea-service, two and a half roubles. "'What is all this nonsense?' cried Pugachev. "'What do these tea-boxes and breeches and cuffs matter to me? 
Savielich cleared his throat with a cough and set to work to explain matters. Let my father condescend to understand that this is the bill of my master's goods which have been taken away by the rascals. What rascals? quoth Pugachev in a fierce and terrible manner. Beg pardon, my tongue played me false, replied Savielich. Rascals, no, they are not rascals. But still your fellows have well harried and well robbed, you must agree. Do not get angry. The horse has four legs, and yet he stumbles. Bid him to read to the end. Well, let's see. Read on, said Pugachev. The secretary continued. One chintz rug, another of wadded silk, four roubles, one police fox skin lined with red rateen, forty roubles, and lastly a small hare-skin tulip, which was left in the hands of your lordship in the wayside house on the step, fifteen roubles. What's that? cried Pugachev, whose eyes suddenly sparkled. I confess I was in fear for my poor follower. He was about to embark on new explanations when Pugachev interrupted him. "'How dare you bother me with such nonsense?' cried he, snatching the paper out of the hands of the secretary and throwing it in Savielich's face. "'Foolish old man, you have been despoiled. Well, what does it signify? But, old owl, you should eternally pray God for me and my lads that you and your master do not swing up there with the other rebels. A hare-skin taloup. Hark ye, I'll have you flayed alive that taloups may be made of your skin.' "'As it may please you,' replied Savielich. "'But I am not a free man, and I must answer for my lord's goods.' Pugachev was apparently in a fit of high-mindedness. He turned aside his head and went off without another word. Shrabdin and the chiefs followed him. All the band left the fort in order. The people escorted it. I remained alone in the square with Savielich. My follower held in his hand the memorandum, and was contemplating it with an air of deep regret. Seeing my friendly understanding with Pugachev, he had thought to turn it to some account. But his wise hope did not succeed. I was going to scold him sharply for his misplaced zeal, and I could not help laughing. "'Laugh, sir, laugh,' said Savielich. "'But when you're obliged to fill up your household anew, we shall see if you still feel disposed to laugh. I ran to the Pope's house to see Marya Ivanovna. The Pope's wife came to meet me with the sad piece of news. During the night, high fever had set in, and the poor girl was now delirious. Akulina Pamfilovna brought me to her room. I gently approached the bed. I was struck by the frightful change in her face. The sick girl did not know me. Motionless before her, it was long ere I understood the words of Father Garasim and his wife, who apparently were trying to comfort me. Gloomy thoughts overwhelmed me. The position of a poor orphan, left solitary and friendless in the power of rascals, filled me with fear, while my own powerlessness equally distressed me. But Schwabrin, Schwabrin above all, filled me with alarm invested with all power by the usurper and left master in the fort with the unhappy girl the object of his hatred he was capable of anything what should i do how could i help her how deliver her only in one way and i was embracing it it was to start with all speed for orenburg so as to hasten the recapture of belogorsk and to aid in it if possible i took leave of the pope and of akulina pamfilovna recommending warmly to them her whom i already regarded as my wife 
I seized the hand of the young girl and covered it with tears and kisses. Goodbye, the Pope's wife said to me as she led me away. Goodbye, Pyotr Andreitch. Perhaps we may meet again in happier times. Don't forget us and write often to us. Except you, poor Maria Ivanovna has no longer stay or comforter. Out in the square I stopped a minute before the gallows, which I respectfully saluted, and then I took the road to Orenburg, accompanied by Savielich, who did not forsake me. As I thus went along, deep in thought, I heard all at once a horse galloping behind me. I turned round and saw a Cossack coming up from the fort, leading a Bashkir horse and making signs to me from afar to wait for him. I stopped and soon recognized our Yuryadnik. After joining us at a gallop, he jumped from the back of his own horse and handed me the bridle of the other. "'Your lordship,' said he, "'our father makes you a present of a horse and a pelisse from his own shoulder.' On the saddle was slung a plain sheepskin to loop. "'And besides,' added he hesitatingly, "'he gives you a half-rouble. "'But I have lost it by the way. "'Kindly excuse it.' Sivielich looked askance at him. "'You have lost it by the way,' said he. "'And pray, what is that which jingles in your pocket, "'bare-faced liar that you are?' "'Jingling in my pocket,' replied the Uradnik not a whit disconcerted god forgive you old man tis a bridle bit and never half a rouble oh well said i putting an end to the dispute thank from me he who sent you and you may as well try as you go back to find the lost half rouble and keep it for yourself many thanks your lordship said he turning his horse round i will pray god for ever for you with these words he started off at a gallop, keeping one hand on his pocket, and was soon out of sight. I put on the touloup and mounted the horse, taking up Savielich behind me. "'Don't you see, your lordship,' said the old man, "'that it was not in vain that I presented my petition to the robber. The robber was ashamed of himself, although this long and lean bashkir, hoss, and this peasant's touloup be not worth half what those rascals stole from us.' nor what you deign to give him as a present. Still, they may be useful to us. From an evil dog, be glad of a handful of hares. End of chapter 9 Recording by Kevin Davidson www.blogordie.com